Today's reading is taken from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> A few responses, that's nice. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I've really felt God's presence really tangibly during this service so far this morning, and we know that God is always present with us by his spirit. Um, but I felt like he might be sort of working in a, a particular way this morning. So I just want to pray that, Lord, you would, um, you would continue to work and move um, in the way that you want to this morning. And I pray that um, the words that I've prepared and what you have laid on my heart from this passage, will, um, you will take it and use it for your glory and that you will minister to us where we are at this morning. Lord, we need you. We love you. Change us and transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, as I'm sure you're aware, was Easter Sunday, and wasn't it wonderful to be able to worship together, celebrating Jesus? Yes, I, I got a yes. Um, celebrating Jesus rising from the dead. And for those of us who were at the outdoor services, we were even able to sing. And I actually forgot myself this morning and started singing really loudly on the first word of the song this morning. And then Ben gave me a look and I realized we weren't meant to sing. But wasn't it wonderful that we could sing together last week? And it was a really special time. But the resurrection is so significant that actually we're still here again this week, aren't we? And every Sunday in the year, because Jesus rising again is at the very heart of the Christian faith. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And he goes on, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But, Paul assures us, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Alleluia. And as Helen shared last week, the resurrection doesn't just mean we have an exciting future with Jesus after death, although we do. And actually, that might be an amazing comfort and hope for many, particularly at this time. But saying yes to Jesus is to be willing for our lives to change now. And this is exactly what had happened with the believers in our reading today. And they didn't have the benefit of all the New Testament letters explaining all the significance and the theology of the life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And they actually had very little to go on. But they had encountered the risen Jesus. They had received the Holy Spirit and their lives were completely transformed. And our reading today shows just some of the ways in which they lived distinctively and differently because they were followers of the risen Jesus. 
We see that they were united. They shared everything they had. They testified to the resurrected Jesus and they looked after those who were in need. And as followers of the same risen saviour and the same spirit living within us, our lives need to be transformed too. Because as we sang earlier, this is the way of the kingdom and we pray for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And these ways that the early church were living, they were kingdom ways to live. So firstly, this morning, if we are Christians, if we have, so to speak, encountered the risen Jesus, the living God, and have his spirit dwelling within us, do we care about unity? Our passage says all the believers were one in heart and mind. Unity is something that Jesus cared deeply about, and we hear him praying to the Father for his church in John 17. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's the disciples' message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me, that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer is that his church would be united as much as the Father and the Son are united. He desires that we're united in heart and mind, in other words, in purpose. And through this unity, people would know that God loves them. No wonder so many people were becoming Christians in Acts if they were actually living this out. Now, you're probably fully aware that as Christians, even in one church, let alone globally, we're not very good at living up to this calling of unity that God has given us. The founder of 24-7 Prayer, Pete Gregg, calls this Jesus' unanswered prayer. We live in such a fractured and polarized society, don't we, where divisions are so prominent. But wouldn't it be amazing if we, as Christians, were actually united And that doesn't mean that there's no room for difference, no room for challenge, no room for debate. But it does mean that we can unite around and delight in the fact that God has so loved the world that he sent his son. That whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. And that that is good news to be shared with the world in word and deed. As people who've encountered the risen Jesus, are we willing to put our differences aside and unite around the amazing good news of God's salvation? Secondly, as people who know the risen Jesus have his spirit living within them, do we prioritize sharing ourselves and our resources with one another? Our passage says, no one claimed any possession was their own, but they shared everything they had. Now, this isn't a call to communism, and we must also realise that we're not living in the Middle East in the first century, so we do live a bit differently now, and that is okay. But there are definite implications for us here, even so. When I lived in halls at university, I lived on a big, long corridor, and we had one tiny kitchen with one fridge in it, and everyone had their milk cartons all lined up and labelled in Sharpie, as if that was going to stop people from stealing it. When you live in halls or if you live with housemates, you're probably a lot more, um, so you're a lot more clear about what belongs to each person, and that's totally appropriate in that setting. But when you live with your family or people who may as well be family, you share a lot more, don't you? Everything's a lot more communal. All that just to say 
The way the early church lived and shared things sounds a lot more like family than random acquaintances at church, which perhaps challenges our view of family and of church. Jesus teaches about family a fair bit, and it's quite controversial, and we don't have time to go into all of it this morning. But an example is in Matthew 12, from verse 47. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus redefines family as the people of God. He reimagines what family looks like. And so for us, Whether we're single, in a relationship, married, divorced, widowed, with children, without children, young, old, adult, child, we're one in Christ and we're family. When we call each other church family, it's not just a nice way to say congregation. It means we have a family that we need to prioritise, that we need to care for, and that we need to share our time and our resources with. And as we begin to emerge slowly and carefully, obviously, out of lockdown, let's be mindful of this, perhaps making a special effort to spend time with people in our church family who are not like us or who have different life circumstances to us, but to whom we have a responsibility because we are family. Of course, we don't neglect our immediate families or the people that we live with. It's not either or. But our Christian family must be a priority too. And we also, of course, want to welcome new people into this family. It's so easy, if we're honest, to be selfish with our time and our resources, reserving them for ourselves and the people that we like or who are like us. But Jesus calls us to a different way. And finally, as people who know the risen Jesus and have his spirit within us, do we help those in need? Verse 34 says, there was no needy person among them. A caricature of evangelical Christianity is that we care about preaching the word and perhaps not so good on issues of social justice. Perhaps a caricature of other types of churchmanship would be that they wouldn't focus so much on preaching, but are doing an amazing job of looking after the vulnerable in their communities. But the two come hand in hand in our passage today. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. So we have to ask ourselves the question, who is needy among us? Those who are in need might be obvious, but they might not be. And this is where it it comes into being family and actually knowing each other and knowing about each other's lives, as well as the lives of those in our wider communities. Perhaps there are hidden illnesses, mental health issues, financial difficulties, relationship breakdowns, loneliness, food poverty, or people just at the end of their tether who just need a friend or some practical help. And actually helping the needy, it flows out of the gospel message that we carry as Christians of resurrection hope and of lives transformed, as well as, of course, following Jesus' extensive teaching on looking after the poor, the marginalised and the broken, going the extra mile to love our neighbour. As Richard prayed this morning, the importance of loving God and loving one another. 
There was no needy person among those early Christians because God's grace was powerfully at work in them. So let's pray that the grace of God would be powerfully at work in us as individuals and as a church family as we seek to live differently as people who've encountered the risen Jesus. May we be people who are committed to unity, prioritising God's family and helping those in need as we testify that Jesus is alive. And of course, we do all these things only in the power of the Holy Spirit and out of an overflow of love and adoration for him who has so loved us and the world. So let's pray now as we close. Lord, I thank you so much for your love, and I thank you that you love the world so much that you sent your son to live and minister, to die on the cross to save us from our sins, to rise again and ascend into heaven, and that you sent us your spirit, that we might be united to you, that we might know you, that we might have life. What a privilege, Lord, that you've made yourself known to us in this way, and we pray that we as your people would live the way that you want us to, that our priorities would be your priorities. Those priorities of unity, of prioritizing God's family, and of helping those in need as we testify to you, having risen from the dead. And we thank you that this morning we can unite as your family around your table. And I pray that you continue to work in us and through us and minister to us as we do so. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.